Coming up on Streamageddon, Diane and I are reviewing Season 3 of HBO's How To with John Wilson. It's the documentary-slash-comedy show that answers important life questions, like how to make the perfect risotto, how to dispose of your batteries, and, perhaps most crucially, how to find a public restroom in New York. But before that, we'll play a special adult animation edition of America's favorite game show, yes, it's renewed or canceled. And right now, I'm going to deliver an extra special pre-episode breaking news update because yes, we have some news to get to and it broke at the last possible minute. Yes, as you will hear during this episode, we are still tracking the ongoing strike. Specifically this week, the writer's strike, though, (laughs) the SAG strike, that's real too. This week, we thought all hope was lost in terms of resuming negotiations. As you will hear Diane and I discuss in the episode last Friday, the writers and uh, producers, the producers being the AMPTP, they met and decided not to meet. You'll hear more in the episode, and we thought that was a pretty bad sign. But lo and behold, late on Thursday, August 10th, we learned that Carol Lombardini, the CEO of AMPTP herself, has invited the WGA to resume negotiations on Friday, yes, today, August 11th, 2023. What will happen? I promise you will not find out in this episode, but you will in a future episode. And if history is any guide, probably nothing will happen. It will probably be a bust. Though, fingers crossed, we'll have something new to watch sometime soon. But in the meantime, stay tuned because we're ready to review, yes, it's How To with John Wilson and so much more here on Streamageddon. Welcome back to Streamageddon, the TV and streaming podcast that wants you to know that the end is near. The the end of the streaming and um, Hollywood universe, it seems, because uh, I am your host, Chris Barlow, joined, as always, by Diane Nora. And we have uh, so little news for you this week because the strike uh, is just ongoing. Period. End of sentence. So, Diane, how are you feeling? (laughs) I'm I'm feeling pretty well, all things considered. I'm I'm feeling uh, strong waves of solidarity with the actors and writers uh, striking, and uh, and that is for a resolution soon. Yeah, yeah, yep, yeah. There you go. That's about the most activity going on in the news this week. Hoping and standing, and that's that's a thrilling hour of audio you're about to to listen to. It seems like there might be a moment this past Friday where representatives of the AMPTP agreed to meet with representatives of the WGA to see if they might resume talks. Um, Extremely Hollywood behavior. Let's meet to see if we should meet and have a discussion. Uh, And uh, they met and decided not to meet. Uh, They are not ready to resume talks. So... Strikes, strikes going strong. There you go. And uh, my favorite part of that is they they also agreed not to tell the press that they were meeting. And then both sides went and told the press that they met and didn't meet and didn't agree on anything and aren't meeting again. Well, 2023. 
Woo! But that is not all that we have for you this week, thank God, because we're going to talk about one of our favorite shows that you can currently watch streaming a new season on HBO and the Max app. I got the name right. It's How To with John Wilson, a show that uh, if you are a fan of Nathan Fielder, who we sang the praises of last summer with the rehearsal, also on HBO, and the Max app, I'm doing it. Uh, Well, hey, the season three of How To with John Wilson is here. It is the final season of How To with John Wilson. And we are sad, but we are happy. And we are here to spread the gospel of John Wilson to the uninitiated. So later this episode, we're going to tell you about the season premiere to give you an idea of what's going on this season on How To with John Wilson. But more importantly, Diane and I each picked an episode from the first two seasons that we think are a great uh, example of why this show is a magical unicorn perhaps never to be recreated. Agreed. It is really uh, singular in its perspective because it seems so personal to John Wilson himself, his specific way of looking at the world, uh, which is one that is so different from mine, and I just love it. Me too, and I can't wait to talk more about it. Uh, But before we do, I have a new segment that we're going to introduce this week to get through the slow news stretch here. One in which uh, we we channel a familiar party game, you might have heard. A party game where you tend to get a little cozy. I'm talking, of course, about Expletive Mary Kill. And on this segment called Ad Keep Cancel, we're going to talk about which streaming service should you... Mm, hook up with this month, add to your roster. Which one should you keep around, just in case? And which streaming service is it time to say, well, goodbye to and cancel? It's our new segment that you can't help but listen to. Add, keep, cancel. Are you excited to tell me uh, your ad keep cancel for the month, Diane? I am. I have to say, it was easiest for me to think of the cancel. Ooh, ooh, I cannot wait to get to the cancel. Uh, But first, we have to start with the ads. So, Diane, uh, which streaming service are you ready to get in bed with this month? Who should I add? My vote for this month for your ad is Peacock. I think... I think that perhaps you are already a Peacock streamer, but there may have been some folks sleeping on Peacock. And I think that it's got some good offerings and it's really, I think, rounding out the type of content that it has in an interesting way. I think that's such an interesting pick. Not what I was expecting from you, Diane, uh, because Peacock uh, last, well, now two months ago in uh, late June, they cut off the free plan for Xfinity cable customers. And I lost my sweetheart access to my parents' Peacock. Uh, And I know other people who were either paying for their own cable or perhaps borrowing a family member's cable credentials who have also lost Peacock. And Interestingly, many are only just noticing, even though they lost it like six, seven weeks ago. And the reason is because the Super Mario Brothers movie has come to Peacock. Exactly. It's a good time to watch. For those of you who still haven't seen it, like me, um, now's the time. Now that you don't have to get off off the couch to watch. And like what, $5 for a month of Peacock to watch that movie? If I had not already spent four times that amount to see it in an empty movie theater uh, at 4 p.m., I can't wait. Not because it wasn't a popular movie, but because I don't like to go to the movies. Uh, But more importantly, 
I do like to stream shows, and I have a streamer I think you should add this month, and I, I'm going, I feel like polar opposite to Peacock. I'm going real OG here. It's time to add some Hulu to your life, because Hulu is firing on all cylinders right now. We've got the return of Only Murders in the Building, the return of Futurama. Uh, if you're a What We Do in the Shadows fan, that's FX, but it streams on Hulu. Uh, Hulu's on fire. I love Hulu. And also, I mean, some people might still be catching up on The Bear, the new season of Absolutely. The Bear. Arguably the smash hit of the summer for streaming television. Oh, yeah. So why not drop a little money on the ad-supported Hulu plan? It's not that bad. I love Hulu. And a great back catalog, uh, including the recently completed uh, Marvelous Ms. Maisel. If you have just been sleeping on Hulu for a while because there were too many streaming services in your roster, I think it's time to bump Hulu back up. Yeah. Okay, Diane. That means we're moving into a more tender area. I think of this as the, you know, the streaming service that if you already have it, you should keep it. But if you don't have it, what's the rush? What is your keep it this month? My keep it is Amazon Prime. Wow. Again, a weird choice. Okay. (laughs) Speaking of Maisel, it has a lot of decent shows that you can catch up on. I feel like... I always think of Maisel as a Hulu show, but that's because I don't watch Maisel. All right. Well, that takes one away from my my Hulu, but I love that you didn't correct me in the moment. You just went, I'll let that slide. Well, no, I wasn't sure. I was like, did they license it to (laughs) Hulu? Why did they do that? Yeah, it's good. (laughs) All right, sure. I, I guess you're telling me I should keep Amazon Prime, and you're right. Yeah, I mean, it. like, I think, catch up on The Boys, you know. Yes, and then The Boys spinoff, Gen V, is coming very soon. I'm excited yeah. for that. Yeah, yeah, I'm definitely going to check that out. I don't know. I, I feel like a lot of Amazon shows don't necessarily capture this sort of zeitgeist. It's not necessarily at the top of our attention, but they do have some quality content on there. So for me, it's a it's a keep it. Oh, I love it. And I'm going to keep it mostly because they ship me groceries. Right. That's the Amazon magic. But but more importantly, on the streaming side of things, who would I keep this month? That's an easy answer. I feel like my permanent keep it is the Max app, whose name I am continuing to get right. Uh, Because listen, uh, there's not a lot new on HBO right now. We are in a bit of a drought between real buzzy shows. But as we're going to going to discuss later how to with john wilson is truly a delight Uh, if you like how to with john wilson there's past seasons of it there's the rehearsal with nathan fielder behind the helm and the uh, the marvelous miss gemstones the righteous gemstones that just finished its uh third season on hbo and i loved it and if you have not gotten into that show or if you haven't seen the third season yet perfect time to dust off your max app and binge it yeah, speaking of Zeitgeist, I feel like that has really found its following online over and I'm really glad that it's had the space to grow in that way. It's a show that for me, I can imagine if it were on Netflix, say, that it might not have gotten the life that it has to find its audience in time. I think this is a great example of what HBO historically does so well, which is build relationships with creators who they love. Danny McBride mm-hmm. has created many shows for HBO. And they have some faith in his vision and his ability to execute and grow and find the audience over time. Uh, They have renewed uh, Gemstones for a fourth season, even though who knows when they will write or shoot it, given the strike right now. Uh, But HBO's all about it, and I am too. So keep your Max app. Plus, it was just Shark Week. Why not? Keep your Max app. Okay, this brings us 
to the most exciting part of our inaugural Add It, Keep It, Cancel It. We are at the cancel part. Who are you going to kill this month, Diane? If you're if you're subscribed, it's gone. What is it? Disney Plus. Oh my god, that's it mine is. too! It is too expensive to be not good... There's nothing there. The, There's the, nothing there. The next and, thing is um, uh, the Little Mermaid live action is coming. Sure. And then Loki in two months. Two months. Right. But hold out. Just, yeah. you know, come back for Loki and maybe wait until like. The whole season is dropped. the seasons yeah. there. Yeah. And, and, I, and binge Loki. But I, you know, a secret invasion. Can you imagine you're paying like $20 a month and they're giving you secret invasion? How rude. <laughs> That's how I feel about the current lineup on Disney+. And it's funny because Disney owns Hulu and 20th Century Television, and there's a ton of great content coming out on Hulu right now, as previously established. And this does uh, give me a moment of pause on the Disney weird, separate but bundled strategy. Whereas if we were recording this podcast in jolly old England, uh, or I I don't know, South Korea, uh, Disney Plus would include the Hulu content under like a star tab. And we would we would have just said, hey, keep your Disney Plus. They've got Only Murders in the Building coming back and Futurama. But instead, in the U.S., they are separate and uh, at this moment, not equal whatsoever. Maybe you've got them in some sort of bundle and that makes it worthwhile. But if you're just paying for a Disney Plus on its own, I say cancel it, pick it back up in a couple of months. Oh, my God. When- I, I agree completely. I think this is a, a really good alignment because the one that matters the most for us to align, I think, is cancel it. And the rest is just part of the cornucopia of streaming. And so, uh, once again, this month you should add yourself a Peacock and Hulu subscription, keep your Max and Amazon Prime subscriptions, and cancel Disney Plus fast. But you know, as we discuss uh, Hulu in particular, part of the Disney family, uh, and the return of Futurama, one of the reasons I'm bullish on Hulu this month, I I wanted to give a moment to talk about Hulu's sudden double down on adult animation, which I feel like every streaming service goes through a moment where they double down on adult animation. Am I crazy? No, you're correct. It just feels like lately so many of the other streamers have kind of abandoned adult animation, except for something specific like Crunchyroll, where that's sort of their bread and butter. But, you know, otherwise, it seems like a lot of that's been a place where we've seen some cutbacks, even of content that everyone agrees is good. Yeah, and uh, uh, we might discuss that in a moment, but first, I want to call out Hulu's current branding around their adult animation push, because I am starting to see it on subway ads in the city. It is Anna Mayhem. Woohoo! The Anna Mayhem lineup currently includes, I'm going to give you a sampler from the gorgeous rotating gallery on the Hulu website next to me. Bob's Burgers, The Great North, American Dad, Solar Opposites, Futurama, uh, Family Guy. And on the anime side, uh, Chainsaw Man, Dragon Ball Z, Tokyo Revengers, 
Bleach. I've heard of some of these. They're rotating really slowly, so I'll leave it there. But that, that's a nice, diverse lineup. You've got some real classic adult uh, comedy animation from the U.S., but then you've got a great um, balance to Crunchyroll, which is the anime kind of stalwart, uh, highlighting at least that they have some anime. It is not nearly the library that Crunchyroll has. But still, I feel like, okay, yeah, if you're going to do an adult animation push, this is a nice, these are the two tent poles, you know? You know what strikes me about that uh, mix of shows, too, is they have several titles in there that have quite the back catalog. So let's say you sign up for Hulu to watch only Murders in the Building and you fly through those, what, 24 episodes that will be the totality of the show, uh, perhaps for now. Um, But then, you know. You say, oh, but they've got like 14 seasons or whatever of Family Guy. I'll stick, I'll keep this and watch this whole back catalog. Um, I think that having those long running shows is really important for retention for streaming services. So this makes sense to me as as a good play for Hulu. I agree a thousand percent on that point. And I think it's adorable that you think there are only 14 seasons of Family Guy. <laughs> How and- many are there? And you're about to find out, because do you know what this inspired me to do? This inspired me to do a very special edition of our favorite game show, an adult animation-themed edition of the game show that asks you, Diane Nora, have these shows been renewed or canceled? I'm so sorry I had to. So, I went through the Animayhem lineup and other shows currently airing on network cable and streaming and came up with a list of adult animation in the Western style. I'm not going to challenge you with anime. Just adult animation. Has it been renewed or canceled? Are you as ready as you could be, Diane? Yeah. Beautiful answer. I'm going to start with some layups and we'll get an answer to that Family Guy question in the process. We'll start on network TV. And if I'm talking about adult animation on network TV, I must literally be talking about Fox because there is no other adult animation on network TV. So let's begin with the classic Fox animated sitcom, The Simpsons, renewed or canceled? Renewed? Of course. The Simpsons. I was about to say, I think we would have heard, right? Earlier this year, Fox announced that they were renewing The Simpsons through the 2024-2025 TV season. Uh, Season 35 of The Simpsons premieres October 1st this year. Goodness gracious. And I got to say, The Simpsons is on a bit of an upswing lately. I have not had the opportunity to bring it to the podcast, but at Vulture, they uh, did a piece on, like, is The Simpsons good again was the uh, thesis of the piece. And based on that, I've watched a smattering of episodes from season 34 of The Simpsons, and some of them are very good. The show continues to find uh, a depth in these characters we have known for 35 years. Maybe that needs to be a future episode where we watch some new ones and some classics. I am all for it. But first, we have to answer the question on your mind. Uh, Family Guy, renewed or canceled? Renewed? Of course, Family Guy has been renewed. But what season of Family Guy premieres on October 1st? 26? 22. Just 22. Just season 22 of Family Guy. No biggie. Uh, It has also been renewed through the 2024-2025 season. So we'll at least have 23 seasons of Family Guy. Minimum. A a nice round Jordan number. 
Yeah, yeah, I like that. Uh, let's move on to a more recent, relatively speaking, Fox animated comedy, Bob's Burgers. Bob's Burgers renewed or canceled? Uh, renewed, I hope. You hope indeed. Guess what? Yes. Fox renewed Bob's Burgers through the 2024-2025 TV season. And Great choice, season, Fox. Season 14 of Bob's Burgers premieres on October 1st. That show is delightful. Delightful. Thrilled, thrilled as always. Uh, but thanks to the Hulu Animayhem splash page, I was reminded that there's another animated sitcom on Fox I have not seen. It's called The Great North. Has The Great North been renewed or canceled? Was this one canceled? I did watch one episode of it. It was oh. renewed. Quietly, oh, though. Quietly renewed. Uh, season four of The Great North premieres in February of 2024. Lovely. Lovely indeed. And that is uh, network television on Fox. What about cable? Let's move to FXX, uh, the spinoff of FX. And FXX is home to Archer. Archer, a storied animated sitcom. Archer, renewed or canceled? I think Archer's canceled after this season, right? That's correct. Archer is returning for its 14th and final season on August 30th. I, I watched Archer for like a good eight of those seasons. So, yeah, um, Archer's had a great run. No complaints there. Uh, it, it, that is FXX's brand in so many ways. Extremely mm-hmm. long-running sitcoms. Uh, and I am certainly a fan of many of them. The question, though, is will I become a fan of Little Demon, another animated sitcom on FXX? Renewed or canceled? Canceled. That's correct. Little Demon was canceled after one season, unfortunately. Uh, Let's pivot now to streaming, and we'll move over to Netflix. Netflix has had uh, an on-again, off-again relationship, I feel like, with adult animation. So let's start with Disenchantment. Disenchantment uh, from Matt Groening and company at the the Simpsons family. Uh, Renewed or canceled? Canceled? That's correct. Uh, Disenchantment is returning for a fifth and final season on September 1st. Some fans were apparently quite disappointed, but the creators say they are happy with the ending and they knew they were writing the final season when they did. Uh, Moving on to a more popular or well-known, let's say, Netflix animation uh, title, Big Mouth. Big Mouth. Renewed or canceled? Renewed? Well, yes, but also canceled. For its final season. It's been renewed for an eighth and final season. That's correct. Uh... Uh, that also brings me to the Big Mouth spinoff, Human Resources, renewed or canceled. Oh, I think Human Resources got canceled. It did. Uh, two seasons of Human Resources made it out, but then it was canceled. Like I said, Netflix seems to have an on-again, off-again relationship with adult animation. Uh, one more at Netflix, Inside Job, renewed or canceled. Uh, can you give me a uh, wait? You have to tell me who made it. Inside Job is on Netflix, and it is um, a show about a conspiracy theories, kind of X-Files-based, but comedy. Mm. What if we could make qanon things funny? Not really. I'm going to say canceled. Yeah, I would say that, too. Um, I, I, I should apologize to fans and creators of that show. I have not seen it. I am really giving you a gist based on the vibes given to me in the coverage of it. It was canceled. And the tragedy there is they initially said they were going to pick it up for a second season. And then they changed their mind and canceled it, which just hurts. But again, at Netflix, it is an on-again, often off-again relationship with adult animation. Well, I have one more pivot for you in this category. We are moving to the Max app. 
I am 100% correct on the pronunciation of this app name this week. Uh, the Max app, home to Velma, was Velma renewed or canceled? I think Velma got renewed, right? I, yeah, it did. I don't know why, because I don't know anyone who liked it, but it did get renewed. And perhaps in season two, we will take a look. I don't think anyone liked it, but I think many watched it, which is the Which thing. is honestly all that matters. Welcome to David Zaslav's Max app. Did you watch it? That's all that matters. And quite frankly, that's true everywhere. So I will not uh, beat up on David Zaslav too much, too much this week. Uh, plus, he brought back, well, he didn't. He had nothing to do with this. Clone High, renewed or canceled? <laughs> renewed. <laughs> that's correct and kind of a trick question. When uh, the Max app picked up the reboot of Clone High, they picked it up for a two-season order. So thank God we are getting a season two of Clone High. I am so excited for that. And Diane, I'm so excited for you. You did pretty well on the all-adult animation-themed edition of Renewed or Cancelled. Uh, would you like to give an acceptance speech for your award? Uh, pay animation writers. That is the best acceptance speech I've ever heard. Thank you so much, and thank you, everyone, for another beautiful edition of Renewed or Cancelled. Wow, that was just uh, so much fun. Thank you so much for that, Diane. And to reward you and the audience, I thought we could talk about a show near and dear to both of our hearts. That is, of course, How To with John Wilson. So, uh, Diane, how would you describe How To with John Wilson to someone who has never seen an episode of it in their lives? I would say it's a show that blends the genres of documentary and comedy with uh, these sort of mini adventures that the documentarian John Wilson takes his audience on where he sets out with a question, but it's very picaresque. Uh, he, he, he diverts and that's part of the style of the show that um, it's not really uh, necessarily what the theme is about. There's usually some other um, underlying and discovered themes as it goes along. Um, but it's also just an extremely funny show um, and often quite juvenile in its humor and yet also very successful. Yeah, it's I love juvenile, but also very deep and philosophical at times. Yeah, definitely. Uh, the season premiere of season three is called How to Find a Public Restroom. And like all episodes of the show, it opens with him saying the phrase, Hey, New York, which I, is both deeply personal to him. He is a, obviously a New Yorker, and so much of the show revolves around found footage, essentially, that he shot um, not found, he shot it, but but a, what I would call B-roll, arbitrary footage of people on the street, things happening around the city. It, it is a, a show that shows you real people being actual New Yorkers in a way you do not see on TV almost ever. It's the antithesis of And Just Like That, also streaming on Max. <laughs> Good plug there. Good plug for keeping the Max app. Uh, but what what I love about that is, one, it's it's very 
personal, but also extremely specific. And so you and I, mm. as New Yorkers, watch the show and have one feeling when he says, hey, New York, and begins the episode with a rumination on how hard it is to find a public bathroom in New York. Deeply true. But on the other hand, I think for anyone anywhere, the specificity is what opens the door to these little rabbit holes he goes down. And starting with that kind of deep level of specificity is what uh, guides you to the places he goes, which become wildly specific, d deeply specific. Uh, Burning Man. He ended up at Burning Man. <laughs> that's right. I was like, where did he go in this episode? Right. He went to Burning Man and then <laughs> shot footage at Burning Man and was told he couldn't use the footage of Burning Man because the Burning Man Corporation had signed an exclusive documentary deal with someone else for that year, even though he's not trying to make a documentary. He's just doing an episode of his weird HBO show. Right. I guess I shouldn't exactly call him a documentarian, but like the uh, format feels very documentary. Um, he also does something that I don't think I've seen on TV before in that a lot of his narration is in the second person. He'll be like, um, you know. Uh, you don't know what to do with all these batteries. So you, you know, go and check out the waste facility. You know, it's it's really interesting um, as a stylistic choice. It sort of puts you in his POV, which works for me because many of the things that he does, I would not do. Right. He's rather fearless. It is a bit of like a choose-your-own-adventure novel sometimes. In this same episode, How to Find a Public Restroom, he's talking to people who own RVs. This is how he winds up at Burning Man, is talking to people about the, the restrooms in their RVs. And he asks one of them if he can go with them somewhere, which was awkward and weird, but they say yes. And again, something you would never do as a normal person. Then he's talking to someone else later who's saying they're going to take the RV to Burning Man. And he asks if he can go with. And as an audience member, you're like, that's a funny callback to when he asked before. But this is a bigger ask by like an exponential amount to take me to Burning Man with you. And then he goes with that person and shoots in the vehicle talking to her. So you know they at least spent a decent portion of the journey to Burning Man together. And I, I, I would die to know how much he edits this in a way that kind of lets us fill in these fantastical blanks about the journey he's, he goes on. Because this is just, there's another episode where he winds up at the mansion of the guy who makes Bang Energy Drink. I love that episode. Yeah. It's so funny. And I'm like, and, and, you know, the way it's framed, it just kind of winds up there. And of course, there's more deliberate planning in the background, but it really creates a magical sense of a journey that you feel swept up on as an audience member. And then oddly, I think, for such a, a feeling, he then kind of takes you on lessons about... Uh, life, the world, and society. Often you leave these either with a reflection about how society treats people or how we treat ourselves. It is a very deeply moving show. Agreed. I think he really has a talent at um, sort of disappearing into the background, and that allows the um, wildest of characters to shine through. Um, you know, he meets people who are uh, kind of at the fringes of society, not not necessarily the folks you normally see on the Max app. Um, and 
people seem just willing to share incredibly personal things with him. And I think part of it is because he can say, hey, I'm with HBO. But I think it's also because he comes across as very non-judgmental, unassuming, sort of good natured and quiet. Like, I I can see the connection between his work and Nathan Fielder's, but there's like a menace to Nathan Fielder's work that I really love. But, you know, it, it comes from his character, who he's playing, whereas John Wilson's character, I think, is just like all like sweetness and light in a way that Nathan's just isn't. And so people are drawn to him. They want to tell him stuff. I think that's a really good way to describe the two of them compared to each other. One thing that I think they share in common is that they both get away with crazy things because they can say, I'm with HBO. And that's something that John Wilson has done in the first two seasons. But in the new season, you see he's a little more transparent about it. There are more moments in the footage where you hear him saying to the interview subject or to the random person who he's walking in on with a camera, I'm with HBO. Just literally the phrase, I'm with HBO, which opens a lot of doors for you. Seems to. Sure seems to. Uh, My favorite in the new season is in that How to Find a Public Restroom episode. He's talking to a man who's essentially a a, a apocalypse prepper. The -hmm. the man lives in a normal house, a house with a family that lives, you know, in a house as you would imagine a house if you just pictured one and drew it in fourth grade. But out back is a silo, a missile silo that he has purchased as part of the land and is turning into a home, an entirely subterranean home, and he shows it to, to Nathan as, uh, and to John as, as, as we go through this, <laughs> as we get deeper into the weeds of how to find a public restroom. And the one moment that really stuck out to me is the guy is talking to Nathan in his regular house and the family comes home. Again, the guy is talking to John in his regular house, but you can see the the bleeding over of these two styles here. And uh, the family comes home and the the guy, the interview subject, says to them, oh, I'm going to be on HBO. That's why I'm talking to him. I'm going to be, isn't it cool? Dad's going to be on HBO. Well, I, the viewer of this, am just, you know, rubbing my hands into my temples going, you're destroying your family by trying to convince them to live in your man cave silo out back. Oh, I'm so worried for your home life. But you're excited to be on HBO, I can tell. Oh, I mean, I also think because a a lot of the people who he finds to interview are people who have like a sort of fringe belief system like this guy thinks that we should all kind of be preppers I think and so like as much as I see him speaking this way and maybe I'm judgmental and I think wow he seems like he might be you know a little detached from reality he's like now I get to tell people about silos and how we all need silos and how cool mine is he has a game room his game room looks awesome But his wife, by comparison, says it's weird having no windows and not being able to tell if it's raining outside. That was kind of a beautiful moment when she was like, the sound of rain is really what I miss in the silo. I was like, oh, my gosh, that's gorgeous. I would have thought, like, my friends. (laughs) (laughs) Is it gorgeous or so sad when he was like, yeah, but you can check your phone. (laughs) Oh, yeah. He he said you can hear thunder if it's really loud. 
But the thing oh. is that he's excited to share this. You're completely right. He sees this opportunity to share his unique thing on HBO, which honestly is part of why I love the internet, for example, is it's a place where people can go share their weird thing that would not be popular in the mainstream. That when we were growing up, you wouldn't be able to see on TV because nobody would be interested enough. There wouldn't be an audience for your game room in your silo. But now That's, there is. Yeah, it's really um, he has such a way of capturing people. And I think that I don't feel worried at all, even if I do feel that they might be embarrassing themselves. I think it's very much their choice to be doing so. And there's no element like like you might have with Nathan for you where you're like, oh, no, are they like are they being talked into something? It's just not like that. Yeah, I never feel like someone on a how-to is being taken advantage of. Mm -mm. I, I think some of them might see the episode and regret doing it, but I don't think that's the same thing, because people can regret many things they were very excited to do at the time. That That's life. I'm just not sure that they would. I think a lot of them really believe the things well, yeah. that they're saying. In the case of that family, I don't think the guy, the husband, regrets it for an instant. I think the wife regretted it the second she got home and saw a camera crew in her home. I don't think her opinion ever changed. I think you're correct about that, that everyone was either jazzed to participate or reluctantly dragged into participating by someone else in their life. But but everyone was on the same page, which you do not always feel that way about Nathan Fielder's work on either the mm -hmm. rehearsal or Nathan for You. So many any, like ethically troubling questions that make Nathan's work thrilling and exhilarating, but also make the, the lack of all of that concern, like you said, makes John's work feel, uh, for lack of a better word, kind of pure, a little more openly inquisitive to the world. In some ways, you know, what if a 38-year-old had the uh, curiosity of a five-year-old? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think we should also mention, and I, I don't think we have said this yet, so, that Nathan Fielder is yes. uh, a producer on this show, which is part of the reason he's so at the front of our minds, um, because you can obviously see his style has infiltrated certain parts of the show, but also he's involved in the creation of it, too. Yeah, so. and, and he essentially found John Wilson for HBO. The, the show exists yeah. because of HBO's ongoing relationship with Nathan. Uh, and and beautiful that it does. And Nathan Fielder, otherwise completely invisible except in the credits, it, you know, it, truly yeah. just a, a creative force in the background. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I do really find this show very rewatchable because there's so many small moments in the found footage that are often like um, little punchlines. And just like little curiosities, these small moments in the city um, that for this episode, I rewatched um, two episodes I'd seen before, the ones that we're recommending to you all. And um, they were just as enjoyable a second time. Yeah. So do you want to talk about your pick first, uh, the, the season one finale sure. titled How to Cook the Perfect Risotto? Yeah, I love this episode. So I have to say, when I was watching the first season of How To with John Wilson, I was watching it weekly as it was released. And um, I wasn't entirely sure what to make of it. It made me laugh a lot. And it really held my attention. But there was a part of me that was wondering, like, and what for a little bit, like, is he trying to teach me something? And this uh, episode, How to Cook the Perfect Risotto, really um, 
made the show make sense to me in a way that like even uh, looking back at previous episodes, they had more meaning to me. Um, it's about his relationship with his landlord. Um, he lives in a building, I, th- I think in Brooklyn, yeah. it seemed. And um, his landlord lives downstairs and she's an older woman. Um, she seems to be an immigrant and she really takes care of him. She cooks for him. She does his laundry. Uh, she just seems she like is outside every day working in her garden. She's just so charming. Uh, and he wants to return the favor by learning to make a perfect risotto and uh, making it for her. And part of the adventure of this episode, you realize um, about halfway through the episode, is that it's 2020 and um, the the pandemic has started happening. And uh, that's one of the impediments to his... Um, journey and there are there's just all this footage of him at the grocery store in what looks to be march 2020 new york uh and the lines at the store it was before anyone was even wearing masks yet i just um watching it the first time it made me weep and watching it again it made me weep it's just like um and it's not really being like isn't this so sad you should have a feeling there's very little sentimentality but it's just um uh, beautifully rendered. It's my favorite art about the pandemic to date. Same, same. That is the like special honor that specific episodes holds in my streaming pantheon. If you ever just, if a time traveler came and said, I need you to explain what COVID was societally, I would just say this 30 minutes will give you everything you need to feel about what it was like to live through that time. Uh, and the second season of the show kind of deals with the weird aftermath gray area part of the pandemic a lot, uh, but nothing as direct head on as how to make the perfect risotto, like nails that surprise too, because most of the first season, the first season aired in late 2020. So we were already living in the pandemic, but most of the first season was shot and created pre-pandemic. And so it, this sneaks up on you, even if you're watching it in real time. Yeah. And it's, um, I I think that if you're hesitant to watch any pandemic content, this is probably an okay thing to watch still. Like I it's not like it's um a ton of uh footage of sirens or um any anything disturbing in terms of seeing bodies. There's one conversation with the nurse and stuff, but it's um it's it's pretty much about how from an outside perspective for folks who don't get sick and are just sitting at home what that was like so yeah it feels like such a gentle way to recall that time yeah yeah there's a sentimentality about the special people in our lives who we are not related to we are not obligated to that when this landlord eventually moves away he you know he's not family he's not gonna continue to have a deep relationship with her unless he tries to through a gonzo hbo episode which sure he will, but but in reality, in the moments that he's addressing this relationship he has with his elderly landlord, it has so many moments that remind me of these passing, fleeting relationships you have with people in your life, co-workers, neighbors, who you might never see again. And he, being the creator of this show, having his, you know, kind of unique perspective on the world grabs onto that and says, I have to find a way to say thank you. And the way I have to say thank you is by making the perfect risotto. 
<laughs> Which of again is still it's still very John Wilson. And the episode still does have a great deal of humor. So I would really recommend it. If you're like, huh, will I check out this show? I would say you could even start with Risotto. I agree. You could start with Risotto. But I am going to convince you to start with Season 2, Episode 4, How to Throw Out Your Batteries. This was my choice for a rewatch. I love this episode. I love every episode of this show. There is something that delights me about how this episode begins with an extremely specific mundane question that you have definitely had at some point in your life, which is, how am I supposed to throw out batteries? All I know is I'm, su- I'm not supposed to put them in the trash. Right. And it confirms that. It does confirm that in a variety of interesting ways. It begins, you know, innocuously with him talking to neighbors and them showing him that they have like a shopping bag full of dead batteries under their sink. Because, yeah, where do you put them? Well, I've just been collecting them until I can figure out what I'm supposed to do with them. Then he goes to an e-waste recycling event where they say, oh, yeah, we take e-waste, but we don't take loose batteries. You can go somewhere else for loose batteries. So he winds up at a Home Depot, and he can't find anyone in the Home Depot to help him deal with his batteries. And it just spirals to a point where he is somehow on Randall's Island talking about how society doesn't know how to discard of the people society doesn't want, in this specific case, pedophiles, and how Randall's Island is home to lots of uh, sex offenders, specifically, to to use actually the correct term, um, for whatever they are sex offenders for. There's so many regulations about where you can live that if you're a sex offender in New York City, many of them seem to wind up on Randall's Island. And he's interviewing a person there who is a sex offender and talking about both how they wind up there but how it also makes kind of no sense because there are still, you know, high school sports on Randall's Island. The camera work in this episode is beautiful as it sort of pans over to a sports field where you you literally see the point being made. And then there's a literal garbage fire at a bus stop. And and it really drives home this point about, like, what... What responsibility does society have for the people society wants to discard? Yeah, um, I I thought that that was very intriguing. And again, um, obviously, it veers into some upsetting territory, but in a way that I uh, felt somewhat cared for as a viewer, that they didn't go into anything that was uh, uh, incredibly graphic or, you know. Yeah. And Um, he balances that plot line. If this was like a traditional sitcom, that's like the B story or something. He balances it with this other plot line in the episode about him revisiting his own past and how in uh, high school and early college, he made a movie uh, called (laughs) Jingleberries, a Christmas comedy with one of his young friends, and they screened it. And it was a complete flop. Everyone hated it. And he tries not to think about it anymore. But he still has a DVD of Jingleberries. And what does he watch it? Does he destroy it? Does he throw it out? Eventually, he does try to confront the thing he's trying to dispose of to keep it in that theme. And he hates it. And then he thinks, should I destroy it? Should I try to give it away as a charity auction? You know, get the thing that embarrasses me. Perhaps some good can come of the bad thing I want to destroy. And and he leaves it in a much more kind of, uh, I think, indecisive but very human place of we hide some things away because they're too hard to deal with. 
And what does he do with the Jingleberries DVD? He hides it away in a safe and he abandons the safe on the street, which is a callback to a, a moment of found footage earlier in the episode. But also speaks to that much darker storyline about what do we do with sex offenders in society. We try to hide them away where we don't have to think about them. It, it is a show that manages to jump through those hoops in the same 30 minutes and make them feel like they relate back to how do I throw out my double A's? Yeah, and it also touches on some class issues in that episode in terms of when they're talking to the sanitation workers. It talks about, like, ecological issues and uh, nuclear waste the show touches on. It's just like, it's, um, you know, and never um, in a way that feels preachy or like it's pushing a specific point of view. And I think this episode is particularly strong in the fact that you see uh, John's own sense of humor about himself. Yeah. And that obviously he's he's delicate about jingleberries and he is sensitive about it, but he wouldn't be presenting it and he wouldn't have shown the clips he does show if he didn't get that it's really funny how bad this is, you know? So while he might not be fully... Um, fully accepting or fully uh, deciding what he's going to do with this, even in sharing it on his show, you do understand that there's some, um, that there's some growth as far as John Wilson, the character on the show. Yeah. A thousand percent. It's both uh, an episode and a, a moment that reminds you he's in on the joke. He's not making fun of people. He's empathizing with people. He's saying this is what I'm sharing are common human experiences we all go through together. And we often there are things that make us a little uncomfortable to look at directly. So we don't always look at them. In fact, we often try to ignore them. And And his show, his ethos is what if we looked at them? I, I'm I'm such a fan of it. There are moments I have to say, like in the season premiere, uh, that are just gross to look at, and yeah. I don't want to look at. There was like more waste in that episode <laughs> yeah. than I cared than I cared to look at. I will be honest. I wouldn't watch that during dinner. I wouldn't recommend it. No, it's a late night show for a reason. But um, it's it's so funny. It's got a lot of heart. And it's smarter than it lets on. Uh, it is a lot smarter than it lets on. This is the kind of show I've gone home and shown to the family and said, I know you will find this weird, but by the end of the 30 minutes, you will have found it very entertaining and perhaps a little interesting. But at the very least, I guarantee you, you won't be bored at the end of it. And while I would say I was 50-50 for whether they found it interesting, nobody found it boring. No, it's not boring. You know what I will say, though, Diane? You are wrong that How to Find a Public Restroom is the uh, most unwatchable while eating episode. Because episode two of season three is How to Clean Your Ears. And I made the mistake of watching that while eating. And I'm going to just put that out there. No. No, don't don't do it. Yeah. If you're playing it safe. Listen, risotto sounds delicious, but you don't know what's going to happen on the journey to the risotto. You just might not want to eat while you watch our favorite current show airing right now on HBO and the Max app. It's How To with John Wilson airing Fridays, not Sundays, even though HBO gives me all the Sunday vibes. Uh, But, you know, it's the Max app, so you can watch it whenever you'd like on, I'm going to say it one more time, the Max app. You're welcome, David. We're, we're working on accepting its new name. <laughs> That's right. 
That's right. And we're working on accepting your feedback at podcast at streamageddon.com. Tell us what you're watching, what you want us to watch, and what you think we should talk about. And we will talk about it very soon here on Streamageddon. But you know what we say. In the meantime, Diane, what do we need to do? Keep Keep streaming. streaming. My keep it is peacock or <laughs> my 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 peak. Okay, I'm gonna get it this time. <laughs>